Show me the science with Professor Luke O'Neill. Luke O'Neill here, and let me start with Merry Christmas. Um, so this one, I'm going to tell you, is a Christmassy theme because we're coming up very close to Christmas now, and it's all about the science of frankincense and myrrh. These two things that we always hear about at Christmas, don't we? And many listening will remember the famous story when the wise men brought the gifts and they brought gold, frankincense and myrrh. And when I was a kid, I was like, what the hell is frankincense? I knew what gold was and what's myrrh and why would they be bringing those as gifts? Like, it's not exactly like a PlayStation, is it? But then again, the baby Jesus couldn't have used the PlayStation, I suppose. But I was puzzled why were these brought and they were extremely precious in ancient times. So when the the Gospels were written, uh, it was recognised that these are really precious things to bring. And, And I've looked into the science of frankincense and myrrh. Now, I've done this before. Uh, actually, I think, I think I think we might have done a podcast on Christmas a while ago. But this is specifically about these two, and I've come across some very interesting things. And remarkably, and even I was somewhat surprised by this, there's still people investigating what's in myrrh and what's in frankincense, especially myrrh, as I would explain. And it's kind of about that overall area, which I have touched on before, of herbal remedies and beneficial chemicals in plant extracts that help us. And of course, the history of medicine is the use of herbal remedies anyway. And herbal remedies often gave rise to drugs that we now take um, as regular drugs. Uh, The best example we often give is aspirin, which used to be taken a lot anyway for headaches. Uh, That comes from the willow bark, salicylates, for example, you know, digitalis from the foxglove to regulate the heart, you see. So often in history, there were these, uh, they're called phytochemicals, by the way, that turned into real, not real medicines, but kind of purified, highly active medicines. Opium from the poppy, of course. Another one was known to be a sedative in ancient times. That gave rise to things like like heroin, sadly. but, But still, there's a long history of plants and their extracts, and this is no different. Now, let's begin then with myrrh. Now, it turns out it was used long before the time of Christ 2,000 years ago. The ancient Egyptians were mad about myrrh, and there was a very famous pharaoh that I came across called Hatshepsut, 3,500 years ago. She was a famous pharaoh. Well, first of all, she was a female pharaoh. And she was, which was a bit unusual, there were mainly males, I think. Um, And she built lots of temples, lots of obelisks. But she gets the credit for planting the first myrrh tree in Egypt. And there's a record of that, right? And it looks like she sent off primitive botanists, as it were, plant people, to find a myrrh tree, bring it back to Egypt, and then grow the tree, and then take myrrh from the tree. And so we know then the ancients were, were extracting from myrrh, and they were using those extracts for various things. Now, this tells us the first thing about myrrh does. And again, this must have been just through observation. Extracts of myrrh, the sap actually from the myrrh tree, will form a resin. And it was known that that can help wound healing, actually, right, is the first thing. And it was used as a sort of a salve to help heal wounds. And of course, the ancients were getting wounded, like we do, and they'd, they'd come across various uh, plant plant extracts that would help wounds to heal in ancient times and myrrh was used for that now the Egyptians were using it for embalming and of course they were preserving some of the tissue I suppose uh, during the the mummification process and that's why it was so precious in ancient Egypt and they had lots of myrrh trees and what you do is you, you tap the tree is the term they use you get the resin out and then that forms the ingredients that you use in this process. And what they also cracked was ways of not killing the myrrh tree, because obviously if you're hacking into it, the tree might die. And the ancients were able to come up with a way to take these resins from the tree and then use it to make the myrrh. 
And the uh, myrrh tree is in the same family as the frankincense tree, which I'll be on to next. They're called Bursaraceae, is the name of the family. Um, and the myrrh in particular is called Comifora, is the botanical name, and that's the tree that you use to get the, the sap from the tree. And uh, the process, of lo- I love this, is called gumosis. You make a kind of a gum, and then there you have your myrrh, and that's the thing that's, that has all these, um, these activities. Now, what's interesting as well is with frankincense, it's very similar. Same extracts can be used, uh, again, in wound healing. It was used in ancient times for wound healing. But, of course, both myrrh and frankincense were used in what we would now see as aromatherapy. You can burn them, and, of course, frankincense, like incense, uh, nice scents were coming off them and the ancients were burning them to create these scents and they were used in religious ceremonies of course but it was also known that they can be de-stressors and in fact in particular myrrh if you if you burn a bit of myrrh and then you inhale it it can decrease stress and that's interesting and in I'll be on to what the basis for that might be in a minute but now a little bit more about frankincense uh, the frankincense that you make they're called they look like golden raisins little roundy things myrrh sadly looks a bit like little bits of sheep droppings but still that's what myrrh myrrh looks like doesn't look great it must be said Uh, frankincense is the boswellia tree uh, as opposed to myrrh which is the comifora tree and again incense tells us this this perfume property now remember that's also interesting I think because especially in Egypt ancient Egypt sadly the, the, the smell wouldn't be great in the mummification process so often they were used then as perfumes to try to get rid of these smells was the other the other function that they had but now let's move on to the actual medical benefits and it turns out uh, if we do a bit, little bit more on frankincense as well uh, they were used by the ancients to increase the chance of becoming pregnant was used for that. They were also shown to improve improve milk yield from cattle. Now that's interesting. I think that's tied into the stress response because it's well known cattle, if they're not so stressed, uh, they will make more milk, they produce more milk, and and that was one function of these. Again, a bit like aromatherapy, they would rub the frankincense of the myrrh extracts and that would improve milk yields from cattle and we now know actually nowadays if you play music to cattle they will produce slightly more milk so again that must the ancients again must have realised this uh, this de-stress type response was part of this as well but by far and away the biggest use of myrrh in particular and frankincense to a lesser extent is for this wound healing business and, and that's used in that way also for ulcers and you get leg ulcers and so on. The ancients were using it for that. And the reason for this is it's anti-inflammatory. And that's right up my street. And I work on inflammation. And in fact, um, part of my PhD years ago was about fever few as an anti-inflammatory. So there's many herb- herbal products that have these anti-inflammatory properties. In myrrh, there are things called terpenoids which have anti-inflammatory effects, and get this, steroids. Now, steroids are very anti-inflammatory. We take them. Now, we, we take steroids as, as pharmaceuticals, you see, and, the, and, and our bodies make steroids uh, to suppress inflammation. Myrrh has its own steroids, and that seems to be part of the effect of the myrrh on these various things. And the ancients, in particular, would use them for toothache uh, and pain associated with wounds and so on and in particular something called sembrine c-e-m-b-r-e-n-e if you want to look it up that is an important part of this as well this the the, uh, the steroid aspect and recently they've shown they're very good at stopping things called prostaglandins which cause pain but what really got my attention was there's a very important inflammatory process in the body involving things called stats s-t-a-t stats and we work on stats in my lab stat one and stat three 
drive inflammation, very important part of the inflammatory process. And guess what? It's been shown that extracts from myrrh, and in particular some of these terpenoid, steroid-based compounds, suppress stats. That got me because many drug companies are trying to block stats to suppress inflammation in diseases like, say, osteoarthritis or, you know, all these different inflammatory diseases. And now I'm wondering, will we look into these myrrh compounds to look for possible stat inhibitors could be, and blockers could be useful? In the case of frankincense, it's boswellic acid they think is the active ingredient and again that has anti-inflammatory properties and will suppress pain as well and what I found very interesting about that was again the ancients begin with this you would often make a kind of a, an, a, um, an extract from frankincense and then generate it in, in, a, in a steam bath and inhale it and that was used to treat severe asthma and there's evidence through the, through the uh, records of using that to inhale that to help an asthma patient and guess what they've now shown that boswellic acid blocks things called leukotrienes. Now, leukotrienes are made in your lungs when you're having an asthma attack, and they cause all the bronchospasm and the wheezing. Leukotrienes trigger that. And there's a drug called Montelukast, actually, which is used in patients to limit the damaging effects of leukotrienes in these respiratory things like asthma. And there we have a natural extract limiting leukotrienes. An enzyme called 5-lipoxygenase makes the leukotrienes, and lo and behold, boswellic acid can block these leukotrienes. In other words, the ancients knew inhale vapor off this stuff, frankincense, and it was beneficial, and now we think it's because of leukotrienes that it's actually targeting leukotrienes. So would we get a better way to stop leukotrienes then from frankincense is the overall idea here. And one other thing is, and this, this struck me in my reading as well, that there's evidence that boswellic acid might work in certain types of cancer, in particular brain tumours, which can be very difficult to treat, and colon cancer, there's some evidence. Now, this is in animals and cell culture-based systems. And the question is, what's going on there? But there's a reasonable literature around cancer and boswellic acid. So again, uh, it's something to think about as another possibility. So there you have, there's a basis for this, basically. And myrrh, frankincense, the ancients realized just by testing. In our modern times now, we can take highly purified chemicals from these two and indeed confirm uh, what the ancients had seen with myrrh and frankincense, especially along the lines of anti-inflammatory effects, uh, analgesic effects as well as painkillers, and then maybe in cancer even, so you never know. And many drug companies would use plant extracts, they're still doing it, to see if they can get better therapies for all these things. And, and I think frankincense and myrrh would be on the list of plant extracts to use. Now, of course, can you, can you buy it? You can. You can go online. I just checked it. Amazon, I guess. And you can order myrrh and frankincense. How how about that for a suggestion for, no, maybe it's too late, for a Christmas gift? Give your loved one some frankincense and some myrrh. Now, I suspect if I gave those two to my wife, she wouldn't be too happy. I'd have to give her gold as well. So give your loved one gold, frankincense and myrrh. How about that? And that repeats what the wise men, the magi did all those years ago. And if you do give frankincense and myrrh, at a minimum, it'll make your house smell a bit better around Christmas time. And you can inhale these lovely perfumes from these two. Or on the other hand, you never know, it could be beneficial in all kinds of ways uh, to help you if you've had a wound or if you have very Various, various diseases, you never know. Although, of course, be careful as ever with these things. The last thing I'd say on that point is you never know how much of the active ingredient is in these. They aren't regulated as much as, as pharmaceuticals is one issue. But it's a nice gift to give frankincense. And I think especially myrrh. I think myrrh especially smells very nice. So there you have it. The science of frankincense and myrrh. And a happy Christmas to everybody. And of course, my podcast is available for download every Thursday. And it's a News Talk production.